Hey, this is Cody. And Kevin. And Franklin. Thanks for joining us on the Conversations on Jesus podcast. Pull up a chair and hang out as we talk about who Jesus is and what that means for our lives. Matthew puts Amos as the 32nd name. But it's 48. And Luke is 48th. Shealtiel is the same, and but um, and Zerubbabel is the same, but Amos is switched. So you could be getting... Uh, 11 more because Luke starts at God. Yeah, exactly. So that's one of the main differences. Yeah. And, well, we can talk about it for the thing, but there's some other couple interesting things in there. So that is uh, basically what our conversations are going to be like. Kind of kicking this off. We're just going to jump right in. What are we we trying to do? Have a conversation uh, as we work through... The Bible, uh, starting with Matthew and the New Testament. Each episode, we're just going to kind of ask questions and give our best understanding um, and bounce ideas and questions and thoughts off of each other so that we can uh, grow in our relationship with, with Jesus. And in our conversations, we'd hope that it would start a conversation with you. Just like Sundays, um, they're not meant to end discussions, they're meant to start it. And that's what we hope that you guys are able to take away from this as well. So, yeah, we'll get started. These breaks are where the Bible Project plays a little cool interlude music. Mm-hmm. It's real nice. Like, the, like they fade out because you know that they, the conversation stalled. Yeah. And then they play some music and then it comes back in yeah. you know, with the volume <laughs> and everything. One of my questions was why the 14 generations? Yeah. Uh, Matthew made that pretty specific uh, at the end here in 17. Yep, where he said, thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Which, right. very specific. Yeah. yeah. 14. Right. 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 Yeah. And that's, yeah, kind of where I started with that, too. It's like, uh, well, kind of like you did with the, the comparing uh, of genealogies between Luke and Matthew, right? Like, uh, it, they're giving a similar genealogy. Right. But... Why is math like? Is it just because that's who he is right. that he likes even things and like I, we we've kind of discussed like, um, Matt Matthew likes to organize his thoughts and his writings in, yeah. in a very apparent and uh, specific way that you can kind of track through. Right. Um, yeah, I think yeah we should yeah so I think we should definitely talk about this stuff. So so beginning with Matthew, it's I think it's unique first to point out that comparing him to the rest of the Gospels, Mark, Luke, and John, he's the only Gospel that begins with a genealogy. Mark, Jesus is already a, a full-grown man mm-hmm. on the scene. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. John appeared in the, baptized in the wilderness. Right. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth. He's already mm-hmm. Luke. Um, we don't have a genealogy at the beginning, although it comes up in Luke 3. Luke is telling us about the birth of Jesus. And then John does something unique from all, all of them. He's going back into eternity past. Uh, in the beginning was the word. Um, yes, so there's, there's uniqueness in all four of the Gospels in that way. But then, as you guys were saying, there's further uniqueness in what Matthew is doing. So, like Franklin, what you read, 14 generations from Abraham to David, David to the deportation of Babylon, Babylon to Christ. 14 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, a quick reading of Luke would tell us what about that. 
Is, is Matthew being strict about the 14 generations, that there were literally 14 generations? Mm -hmm. No, he's more so uh, choosing that to get a point across, I think. Right. So what, yeah, it, yeah. So, so if it's not literal that there were 14 generations, um, one option, people would say, Matthew just doesn't care. That's why this gospel can't be trusted. He can't even get all the names in there. Well, you could fill the New Testament. I mean, good luck <laughs> having a full genealogy with every single person up to the birth of Jesus. Right. Um, uh, so what? I, I reject that. So I would say no. Matthew's not being careless, and he. It's not that he doesn't care. Um, what is he doing then? Right. What is his goal? Yeah. Or, yeah. I think the goal of that is to tie Abraham, David, and Jesus all as one. Yeah. Because it goes back into the Torah. Yeah. 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 So, um, <clears throat> so tying Abraham, David, all the way to Jesus. Why, though? If you're writing a gospel about Jesus, why do you care about Abraham, David, Babylon? Well, I mean, any of that stuff. What comes to mind for me is, like, if you... I think for me, like, I, I try and put myself in the shoes of the writer, like, as much as, but, like, to try and understand, right? And, like, uh, for Matthew back in first century to be where he was speaking and writing to the people that he was, right? Like, uh, the people that he's addressing are going to have a, a knowledge of the Old Testament and, yeah. and a deep understanding of it, right? And so I think his goal may have been, okay, you know, I'm not trying to to necessarily teach to people that have no basis or understanding or knowledge. Right. He's like, ah, okay, you guys know this kind of foundation. Right. This is where we want you. This is where I want you to be. Or God uh, inspired me to, to take you guys. Right. It is, you know, you know this, but God wants to show you this. And so take what you know yeah. and build on it. Right. Rather than just start from nothing. Right. And say, hey, uh, yeah, we're going to go here, here, and here. Oh, and there's Jesus. Right. It's, okay, you already know, so let's go down this journey. Yeah. And build on it. So can somebody who doesn't know anything about Abraham or David, any of the patriarchs, uh, the exile, um, any of, of the nation of Israel being drawn out of captivity and then wandering and all that, can they read Matthew's gospel and get anything out of it if you don't know any of that? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Right. You don't have to know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have that's, to know. Right. And thankfully. That's that. Right. But as you just said, if you do know, then there's there are things to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right, Abraham isn't a throwaway character in Matthew's gospel. Mm -hmm. It's not like two-thirds of the Bible is, uh, forget about it. It's Matthew's gospel is a continuation of the story God has already been telling <laughs> through, albeit, a different context. Uh, um, yeah, a, a different context completely. And Jesus brings a new context for Matthew. As you just said, first century, um, the gospel going to the nations, as Isaiah talked about, all these things are being fulfilled. But um, Matthew doesn't want us to forget. And I'm not one to say, so I'll try this out for you guys, I'm not one to say you can't go to Matthew until you've internalized everything in the Old Testament. I, when I, If I'm talking to somebody who doesn't know Jesus, I'm not going to say... Mm -hmm. Make sure you get the Torah. Make sure you get Genesis 
Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy down before you know, no, I'm not going to say that. Right. But if somebody is wanting to know this God that they worship on Sundays or are thinking about worshiping, man, to I want them to know where what story he's already been telling. Right. And that's a story that includes Abraham uh, and David and the deportation and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of what came to mind when like... Um, I was thinking about, you know, the genealogy and, you know, we're starting off the New Testament, right? It's, right. it's a new covenant. And it's right. like a question I thought to myself is like, okay, um, you're, you're approaching someone saying, hey, you know, right. I'd love to, to get to know you and, and help you build a relationship with Jesus. Like, should, is this something that they need to read and dive into and understand the significance of Abraham and, right. and David and all of these people? Or is it like, well, you know, we'll skip past chapter one and jump into chapter two and that's where we'll really get into the it. The first time I read Matthew, I skipped past the whole genealogy. Yeah, and, and it's so easy, like, right, when you're reading it, it's like, oh, yep, skip that. I'm, I don't know how to say that name. I don't know how to say that name. All right, here we go. Right. 14 generations right. and start there. Right. And it's like, no, there's definitely a, a, obviously there's a purpose and a reason for everything in, in scripture, but there's definitely a reason why Matthew felt it was necessary to right. say, okay, we're going to list out this genealogy of right, right. 14 to 14 to 14 and right. who they are and why. Right. And to Franklin's point, if it's your first time reading through Matthew, you're going to skip the genealogy. It means nothing <laughs> yeah. to you. Yep. You don't care about Abraham. You don't care about David. Other than you might have heard about them if you were in church as a little kid with Bible stories and things like that. But for the most part, you want to know who Jesus is. You're interested in what Matthew has said and recycling a bunch of names in history mm-hmm. that you have no context for is obviously um, going to be text you can skip over. It's a history lesson. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a history lesson. And for the person who is then, I don't want to say taking it seriously as if somebody, their first time isn't taking it seriously, because I think they are. But as you get more involved in it, that genealogy is going to haunt you in a good way. You're going to keep coming back to it and going, I need to do something with this eventually. And I think in God's providence, he's going to draw us back into the Old Testament and say, figure out what happened with Abraham. You know, what's up with David? Why, why, why is Jesus called the son of David? It's not a throwaway title. You know, Matthew has it in the genealogy here. Um, yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah, definitely. Um, as I was like, working through some of the, you know, we'll obviously get to later chapters and whatnot, but it was, it was amazing to me just how much just in the first few chapters of Matthew is like so many references to the Old Testament of like, right. to get a better understanding. Sure, you can read it and gain something from it Yeah. just by reading Matthew, but there's a lot of references and, and contextualizations in the Old Testament right. that Matthew drops from and it makes sense. Exactly. Making, you know, the time that he was in and who he was writing to and right. all of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get through the genealogy. So you read verses 1 through uh, 17, and that's all genealogy. And then you're like, okay, I'm out of that. I'm out of Old Testament stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, keep reading. Um, and then it says in verse 20, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. Well, now you're back in the Old Testament again. Mm-hmm. Now, David is a name that has popped up twice. Um, then you get a quotation from the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. Um, 
and, and like you said, as we keep going, we have quotations in the second chapter, and then there Matthew's filthy with them. He's got them all over the place. Because, I think, Matthew is telling a story. And the story he's telling did not begin with the birth of Jesus. Although, as important as that is, that's where a lot of our stories begin. The story that Matthew is telling began with, at least for Matthew, God calling Abraham. So, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, um, all those things are rushing together and coming together in the beginning of uh, Matthew chapter 1. So why do you think he started there? With Abraham? Mm-hmm. And, and in relation to the other uh, Gospels, right? Like as we talked about, like uh, yeah. Mark doesn't have genealogy. Luke doesn't start till chapter. Like yeah. why is Matthew like, I'm hitting this real hard, starting with the genealogy? Yeah. Uh, I have been convinced that what Matthew is trying to do with his Gospel, although we can't cover it all in this episode, but we might down the road, mm-hmm. Matthew is trying to mirror not just the story of the Old Testament, but he is trying to take Jesus and show how he is. Um, a, uh, so the law, uh, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that's the five books that um, help guide and prop up and give a sense of calling to the nation of Israel, to God's chosen people of old. Mm-hmm. I think what Matthew is trying to do is saying, here's a new Torah for the people. So this Torah, however, is going to be built on the incarnation of God. Um, Verse 23, which means God with us, Emmanuel. He's going to be born of a virgin. God is going to be with us. Here's a new Torah. Here's a new law. But this law is not like the law of old. Here's, well, what is it in John's Gospel? It says that Jesus has come in grace and truth. Jesus, yeah, he's grace and truth Jesus comes on. And as we get going, I think there's interesting things to point at in Matthew's gospel, that he has divisions set up to show how he's mirroring those first five books. It's not cut and dry. Obviously, there's arguments to be made to say, yeah, I think you're reaching too far there, or it's not. But... I mean, it would make sense. I mean, just given you know what we know and right. I mean, what we discussed just briefly here is just Matthew's style of writing and his intent is very right. specific and, and things of that nature. So, right, definitely be exciting to dive into. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've kind of covered the the genealogy and like you said, right after that, mm-hmm. um, kind of dives into uh, <coughs> some other interesting things, right? Uh, so. Mm, yeah, Mary and Joseph, right? They're not married. Right. Uh, they're planning to get married. And Mary becomes pregnant. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and so I'm yeah. sitting here thinking to myself, like, yeah. okay, if I'm Joseph uh, and I find a significant other and, you know, we're not married, but we're planning to get there. And you're, as, you're, you're as married as you can be without being. Right. You're betrothed. Yep. You are, you know, like, it is going to happen. Yep. And it's like, you're telling me you're pregnant? Right. How? Right. And like what, it was like what kind of um, emotion or feelings or was it just like, yeah, this is, you know, this is what we know and I'm going to trust in God or was it like this overwhelming emotion of, and and I think some of it for me is like, um, 
like, yeah, I mean, he, he, Matthew writes that Joseph um, was planning to divorce her in secret, mm -hmm. right? And so obviously there's some kind of thought pattern around, you know, I don't know that I'm going to, I don't want to be with her. Mm -hmm. And then he sleeps on it, thinks about it, and Angel comes in and speeks to him. And right, And right. it's like, man, uh, yeah, kind of relate that to like what, what we feel or think today. It's like, um, I asked myself, is there any difference the way Joseph reacted and acted than what I, you know, what I would do today? Yeah, that's a good question. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, um, if I'm with a significant other and, you know, we're in, in today's language engaged and planning to get married and we've withheld ourselves for, for marriage and right. all of a sudden, you know, she's bearing child. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. am, am yeah. I going to just sit back and say, you know what, this is... Yeah. And obviously, different contact right. text and everything, and they had an understanding of um, prophecy from the Old Testament. But mm -hmm. just the principle of like, am I gonna? Would I have acted different today than Joseph did back then? Right. Right. Are you gonna trust God or not? Right. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was just that section was like that's what was glaring to me is, you know. Yeah. Today it's so easy. I think to. Um, not just today, but in general, as humans, it's easy to act on emotion or thoughts, feelings, and, and rather, rather than just trusting that the Lord's will. And it's like, that's, well, that's why the angel appeared to him. Yeah. Be right. true, because he was ready to act. Right. Mm -hmm. And how, like, how calming for, for Joseph that an angel of the Lord would come down to him in that scenario. Right. Like, you're getting ready to divorce the woman of, of his dreams mm. and an angel of the Lord comes down. Right. Hey, don't do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, yeah. uh, that's a bad idea. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, to me, what sticks out is, uh, it says quietly, or uh, you said your version said in secret, divorce, mm -hmm. uh, marry in secret. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, we've kind of touched on it before, but why, like, why in secret? Because to me, like, people are going to know that's a divorce. Like it. Yeah, I mean, and maybe you could help. I, I would expect that, given the context again of the, the time frame and whatnot, that um, if that was to happen in first century, like uh, that was how, you know, the norm or the cultural norm would be, right? Like today, we're going to be like, we got to go to the court, we got to file it, blah, 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 and do all mm -hmm. that. And mm -hmm. it becomes more public information right for lack of other terms than what it would have been back then mm -hmm. and um, I think marriage was viewed differently or handled differently then maybe of right. like yeah. more you know you get married once and that's it and mm -hmm. unfortunately today's world I don't know that that's um, the standard per se right as as tightly right, right. as it was then yeah I don't think I would disagree with anything there. One thing I would probably add into it is that, so it says, um, Franklin, you said it, your, your translation says quietly. Yeah. Mine says that too. Yours says what? Uh, I did not want to expose her public disgrace. Uh, and you had my divorce her quietly. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. And in, the, in this other translation I have pulled up, says he intended to divorce her privately. It said, so because Joseph, her husband-to-be, was a righteous man, and because he did not want to disgrace her, he intended to divorce her privately, 
or quietly. So, so why did he want to do it quietly? Yeah. Well, he didn't want to disgrace her. Yep. So, although Joseph probably had all legal and scriptural standing to say, here's a woman who I'm as, as good to be, uh, we, we are basically married, we're betrothed, um, she has been unfaithful. So, I mean, we don't need to get in everything that, um, I mean, we can go look it up later on, but, but there are ramifications for that situation. Right. Um, for, well, it says because he was a righteous man. So he is at one time adhering to the law, and at the other time, at the same time, he is he acting in contrary to the law, or is he fulfilling the law in such a way that allows him to uphold it and say this relationship has been broken because of infidelity, he thinks, and yet he doesn't want to ruin her life. I'm, I'm not so sure exactly what's going on there, other than Scripture says he was a righteous man. Mm -hmm. So whatever actions he took, what we know his actions, mm -hmm. were to divorce her. But it was to divorce her in a way that didn't put her in the public eye. Mm -hmm. um, Matthew says that he's righteous. So it was, it was the just decision. Math, uh, Joseph was not being an unrighteous man. He wasn't disgracing the law. He was upholding the law by not disgracing her. Yeah. 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 In in some way. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So he says, so uh, intended to divorce her privately, and then the angel of the Lord speaks to him and says that um, the virgin is going to conceive and bear a son, and that's a quotation from the book of Isaiah. Um, so in Isaiah, yeah, right, uh, verse twenty. Uh, Three. Let's see here. Yeah, Isaiah. Yeah, of course, Isaiah seven fourteen. That's the quote. So that's the fulfillment that Matthew, that Joseph sees happening, and that Matthew finds important to record. Now, just by memory, I don't think. So John, it, he doesn't have that in there. Even in Luke's version of the birth of Jesus, I don't think Isaiah is quoted in that way. So it's interesting to me that, yeah, I don't think he is. So it's interesting to me that Matthew sees this as the fulfillment, which it obviously is. Right. Mm -hmm. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, which calls him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Um, uh, yeah, that's a buck. Again, that's Matthew's way of saying this story is not done. In fact, we're finding the beginning of the culmination of it in who this Jesus is that's about to be born. Yeah. So I have a question for you guys, just for better understanding. Uh, was Matthew always the first gospel? You mean in the order that they were written? Well, just in the way that the Bible was brought together, like from, I don't know, first century, like the first Bible, was it? Boom, we're going we're gonna to put Matthew first because it's got the most ties to the Torah and the Bible or the Old Testament it's yeah that's the perfect question to ask because that is why it's first in the order I think is because of its immediate context to the Old Testament storyline specifically in our Bibles they end the Old Testament ends in Malachi and in Malachi we're told that um, the Messiah is coming and then the Old Testament closes and the Messiah hasn't arrived 
well, flip, turn the page to the New Testament, and Matthew is recapping the story of the old, and here's the Messiah, here's Jesus. But interestingly enough, as far as I know, Matthew's, so there's different ways to look at it, Matthew's gospel was not the first one to be written. Mark's probably was. Probably. Maybe not. Right. But, so for a while, Matthew was not first. Now, when they were bundled together and passed around and made copies of, I'm not sure of the order, but eventually it came to be that that Matthew's gospel would be first in the order. Mm -hmm. That'd be inter interesting to kind of discuss, like, take a look at and yeah. figure out... Uh, I mean, like you said, I mean, it makes sense, mm -hmm. right? With the yeah, no, no, definitely, right. yeah. yeah. Uh, based on, you know, the way our Bibles are organized today. Uh, but was it always? Right. What's interesting to me, I thought about it a lot, is why not put the Gospel of John first? If you want a Gospel that... Because it's the most... <laughs> yeah. That goes back... I mean, in the beginning was the Word. That's the same exact language from Genesis. Yeah. It's like, if there, if there was ever a continuation of the Old Testament story... Here's John saying, <laughs> this word was from the beginning. Right, yeah. But that's never been the case. You know, in, our, in the Protestant tradition, it's always been, well, in not just the Protestant tradition, Catholic tradition doesn't change. I don't think Greek, Greek Orthodox has a different order, although I'm less sure about that. Um, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's the traditional order of how mm -hmm. those are put together. Um. Yeah, so this idea of um, angel coming to Joseph, right? Mm -hmm. uh, again, asking myself, like, what would what would I do? Like, one, am I am I knowing this is an angel? I would assume so, right? Yeah. I'm gonna base that on you know uh, what we read here, uh, but then to hear. Um, she will give birth to a son and you're giving him to Jesus because he will save his people from all their sins. Mm -hmm. Right? Obviously, it's fulfilling mm -hmm. uh, prophecy and whatnot, but that's a big statement. It is. Right? Right. <laughs> and obviously, something we'll kind of see more of through Matthew, but um, angels and the Holy Spirit and God speaking to him during dreams. Mm -hmm. um, what came to my mind is like, because personally, I don't, I don't dream. Mm -hmm. I, I don't. And, yeah. and so like, um, is dream based in the English language? Uh, is, is it an actual dream, like during sleep? Or in translation, is it more so like a vision? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, because it's like, again, not... Uh, yeah, it just came to mind because yeah. I, don't, I don't dream. Right. And so was that something that in translation got switched over to dream, uh, but originated in more of like a vision? Or... Yeah, that was just a thought that came to mind. Yeah, so let's see here. Um, yeah, I got dream in this translation. Mm -hmm. I just have a few of them open. I'll look real quick. I think it's going to say dream in all of them. Right. But. Um, and that's what I was finding <clears throat> when I was looking into it. It's yeah. like, is there other uh, another word used in place of dream? And dream seems to be a fairly consistent one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a dream in this one too. So, it's um, as we're recording this, I'm in Genesis and I'm reading. And in Genesis, we've had um, Abraham has a dream or a vision when God calls him and he splits the animals and the pot goes down the middle. So that's one. Then we have, um, oh goodness, uh, 
Jacob, right? Um, Jacob dreams that there's a ladder going into heaven, and he sees um, angels ascending and descending on the ladder. Mm -hmm. And then Joseph has a dream in Genesis um, where he sees, well, he sees a number of things, but the way that he interprets the dream is that his family is going to bow down to him. And then he goes, he's thrown in the cistern and then goes to prison. Um, or no, he's sold as a slave. Anyway, he ends up in prison and what happens there? The, the cupbearer and the, um, somebody else have a dream. So that what I'm trying to say is there's a bunch of dreams right at the beginning of the book of Genesis. Right. I, I don't think that dreams are like, oh, every fifth page in the Old Testament, somebody's right. in a trance or having a dream. Mm -hmm. But it's not an unheard of thing. Mm, absolutely. Right. right. So what would Joseph's response to it be? Did he go down to sleep that night and in his dream he right. dreamed that? I don't know. Right. Uh, yeah, just curiosity for me. Yeah. Either way, so if he did or if he didn't, I wonder if Joseph put it in the context of, again, the Old Testament story that has been happening. Mm -hmm. right. Because just, uh, it, it would make better understanding. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. That's So it doesn't seem like that's an unheard of way for God to talk to people or to reveal himself is in a different state than total consciousness right. maybe whatever that dream yeah. state is mm -hmm. that's true yeah yeah right because just because of uh the word is dream doesn't necessarily mean yeah. it's sleep exactly yeah, right. yeah. uh-huh yep. I, th I think dream would speak more to like you said a state of consciousness less than a, a physical act of sleeping right like that. yeah possibly mm -hmm. yeah so uh verse 25 mm -hmm. um Talking about Joseph and Joseph woke up, uh, did what the Lord commanded, and took Mary home his wife. Uh, 25 says, but he did not consummate their marriage until he get, uh, she gave birth to a son. Mm -hmm. And he gave him the name of Jesus. Right. Uh, so I asked myself, like, is that Joseph, was he testing or unsure? Or was it uh, waiting for confirmation of, like, yes, this is true? What are you getting at? Um, so... Says he didn't consummate until their marriage until she gave birth. Oh yeah, right. Right. Yeah. So why did he wait until birth? Was that, I guess, was that the the stand? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or why not before then? Well, I think I think just in the uh, general case of things, she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um. So they're going to wait until gotcha. this period yeah. of time has ended until she gives birth, and. Uh, yeah, I can't. I don't know exactly yeah, what was just, going through his head. That just like, it just crossed my mind of like, is there was it, and I don't know if there was a reason. Yeah. Other than you know she's pregnant and so she's working, you know, they'll finish doing after that. Yeah. Uh, or was it like still a little unsure? I'm gonna wait until right I'm, until I know oh, that what the angel mean, told me is true. I see what you're saying. Right. Like I'm not really married to her until this thing comes true. Right. Or oh yeah, I the angel like spoke that. to me like this. And told me this. Yeah. But you know, uh, I've never read it like that. That's a good question. I, I want to know. I want to know the truth, and we're gonna let this play out to see if yeah this is the case. Yeah. Or was it you know? Uh, she's this pregnant. Is, right. This is yeah. She's yeah. Like. And I had always read it like that. Like she's pregnant. So we're gonna let this thing play out. Right. And mm -hmm. then we'll consummate her marriage later. I don't. But that's a good question. Yeah. So that's what's good about 
yeah. hearing what you guys think. It's because I've never, I've literally have never thought of it like that. And it doesn't seem so wrong. It, it, we don't have to jump to the conclusion that Joseph didn't believe. Right. Or he was testing God or whatever. He just, he was just watching. He didn't know what was going to yeah. happen. Right. I mean, he's told. So he doesn't divorce her. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then the next thing that we're told is that she gives birth. Right. So. The, yeah, and that's that, that idea of like, right, the prophecy that this is going to happen. Yeah. And, and he gets spoken to in a dream by an angel. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I'm going to believe this. Right. And then, or is it more of like, okay, this is what I was told, you know, but I feel like I should wait for confirmation. Mm-hmm. And okay, Jesus, son is born, his name is Jesus, <clears throat> now we can get married. Right. So, so the only thing that comes to my mind is that in Luke's gospel, this narrative is filled out a lot more. And in here, we're told a little more about what's going on with Joseph and Mary. So obviously they live their lives together. Um, Zechariah and Elizabeth are in the mix with John the Baptist being prophesied to be born. And they have to leave. In chapter 2 it says that you know, Caesar Augustus calls for a decree that, they're, that everybody should be registered. And so they take off to go to that. And Jesus isn't born yet. So they're still, you know, they're still living, they're still doing their thing. Um, but yeah, I don't have a good answer for that. So, I mean, they could have just been living. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> as anybody I, would when your wife's pregnant, okay, right. then we're... And right. I don't know that that changes, changes the, any aspect or narrative of the story at all. No, but it's interesting to think about. Yeah. yeah. It just, it was something that came across my mind of like, you know, was he waiting for confirmation? Right. Of what the angel told him to, to be truth? Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, that yeah really wraps up. I'd say chapter one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a lot of interesting conversation and uh, questions that we post, uh, and in one of the I'd say shorter chapters. Definitely a lot of different aspects that um, right you can look at it from and and really dive into the questions. And so I think for a first episode, it really gives an example of you know there's lots of things that we can learn and. Uh, we may look at it from different right. point of views. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, the beauty of having a conversation and, and building a relationship with Jesus with other people. Right. So that really, like, yeah, like I said, speaks to the, the goal of, you know, what we're trying to do here is just have an open discussion, a dialogue about, you know, what we read, what we understand, what the Lord puts on our heart and, and share that with, with you guys as listeners and hope that that sparks a conversation. So, yeah, yeah, that sparks it. I mean, hopefully it does spark a conversation. One of those might be a thing that we didn't even get into, which is fine. You can, you know, somebody listening can do it later or we can do it later. We didn't even look at the individual names. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. why, why are these <laughs> names listed? Yeah. Why does somebody like Ruth pop up or Uriah? You know, we, we remember David and Bathsheba and, and that whole story. Well, that's introduced in here. What The deportation, why make that a central thing? You know, there's so many things to keep going at. But Which is ironic because it speaks to, you know, we kind of skip past that and go straight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, right. it just kind of speaks to that. But yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll definitely dive into that um, and really get to know 
who these characters are, not characters, but people, um, who these people are and why they were there and what they mean to the, the story of Jesus Christ. Yep. And that's a wrap.